So one of the things that I hate about Job, and, and somebody's going to say, oh, you're a pastor and you hate something in the Bible. And my answer is yes, because if we don't read it as poetry, which it is, I believe it's a poetic tome. If we see that daily, the, the devil gets to go before God and choose which one of us to strike down on a given day, that is a horrible belief process. And I don't think the Bible really backs that up. But the one thing I like about Job, Job has his friends who pontificate to him about God. And then in the last chapter, God says to Job, I want you to pray for your friends because I'm really ticked off at how they represented me. God says to these guys around Job, your representation of who I am was completely off and I am flipping pissed off. Sometimes I think our misrepresentation of God, and particularly as the evangelical church, does not make God very happy. For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush-for-brains evangelical leaders are trying to, uh, to overthrow Trump? It's a special kind of dumb and calling yourself a Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. I'm in a little bit of a different place today because one of the things I always want to do is be authentic and real. And, and so we, our Bible talk today was scheduled as I'm going through Matthew. I've you know pledged to be honest and authentic and... Um, I'm in a different place because there's uh, several things that happen. I won't go bore you, bore you with all of them, but one of them is our, our son who has had some injury issues in baseball. He's a really good baseball player. And, um, and so he hasn't been able to play because of COVID. And then we had, he had some hip surgery. We found out he had some hip issues and it's just been a really tough time for him because he's not been able to play baseball, which he loves to do. And um, and so he got to play on Wednesday and it was beautiful to watch and, and just wonderful to, you know, just was like almost surreal. Like we've been waiting for this for so long and he played. And um, so we found out this week that he may have torn something in his knee. And so he may, hair looks fine, thank you. And so now he may miss more time of his junior baseball season. And so as I was getting ready for this Bible chat today, I was just, my Bible talk, I was just like, can I do this? Um, really sad, maybe a little bit mad at God, I've, pastored for years and told people that God heals. So what do we do when life comes at us and we start to say, okay, God, I've been teaching people that you heal. 
and our son has gone through a lot of injury problems in his baseball career. And sorry, I just kicked the thing that caused camera to jostle a little bit there. What, so what do we do when you don't? So thank you, God. Yes, life is a journey. There's a silver lining. All things work together for good. I know all of those encouragements and I appreciate them. But when does the supernatural come? When does When is it time that you don't have to just buck up and take it again? And, you know, or, or is it, I don't have enough faith or I am too sinful in my life or. So those are the hard things I'm wrestling with today. And so I thought like, I'm not in a place where I, I, you know, Matthew five, one of my favorite chapters we're going to go through today in Bible talk. And I'm just like, can I really come up and say, here's my powerful message from Matthew 5 when I'm struggling like this inside. So I thought, you know what, light it up and, and let's just talk about it. Maybe there's something in that that the son needs that you didn't know he needed. If this is the worst thing to happen to him, his life is not that bad. Okay. It's great. So he has maybe two years of baseball left if he doesn't, you know, doesn't get to play his sophomore and junior and senior season. Then he may not ever be able to play again. And yeah, I understand there are people with worse lives. I get it. So I just have to be happy. Okay, good, good. Yeah, stage four colon cancer. It's high school. So maybe I'll just go on and teach. But I just wanted to let you guys know that's where I was today. And I'm just a little bit of liking, yeah, all of those things. Yeah. He's going to learn perseverance. He's going to learn to overcome. We're going to learn to take things one day at a time. Yeah, again because he's learned these lessons well through numerous other injuries. Hmm. So I thought I would share real. Hi, Houston, Texas. And, and again, I've had wonderful weather and, and all these things. And so maybe it's just, I'm just supposed to count my blessings and the things that are really deep and painful, just, hey, could be worse. Thank you for showing honest feelings. I see you and honor you in this moment. I am so sorry. Yeah, I thought maybe I could light it up and share this with you guys. It is. You know, I have somewhat pastored, in, you know, for 25 years or so. Thank you, Vernie. On YouTube, I got a comment on YouTube. Yay. I'm glad that's working. Um, so I pastored, you know, for 
25 years or so in different versions. And then um, how's my son dealing with it? He's very, very sad. He, he has, he doesn't express things outwardly much, but I can tell he's very sad and has expressed a little bit of like, is, is this worth it? Yeah, bad things just happen. It's true. So my question for us as Christians then is how, how does this separate us from the atheist and agnostic? Uh, the situation is just our son has been injured and, and had to have surgery and waiting to play ball. And now there's another injury. So. And I'm just wondering why God doesn't heal because I've taught for years that he would heal. And, and so, yeah, I'm, so I'm processing that through a little bit. Honor your grief. Got to go through. Can't go around. Thank you guys. One thing I need is somebody to moderate or any of my usual guys on here. Hi. Um, do you host Sunday service? Yes, we do. Um, if you go to my website, pastor-paul.com, um, and the events contact page, it gives you a Zoom link. You can either join us live on the TikTok stream or through a Zoom link. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Thank you, Carol. You are responding the way God does. He grieves too for his family. Yeah, he does. So one thing I thought I would do is read Psalm 13. Thanks, Therapies. Therapies, can I make you a moderator today just in case we have somebody come on? I'll do it and you can accept or, or not accept the responsibility. <laughs> so I like, I, I've decided to have moderators now because sometimes we have our angry Christian folks come on and they just want to start like slamming people. And, and a couple of weeks ago, it kind of made the group unsafe. And one thing we want more than anything else is for people to be safe. Thanks, Rosie. Rosie, I'm going to make you a moderator. Hey, Jeremy. Oh, shoot. There we go. Rosie, you're a moderator now. So, yeah, I'm just kind of walking through some of this pain of what do we do when we tell people and preach that God heals and he doesn't. So love your thoughts and comments on that. If you have a question you want me to deal with later in the program, you can put it in the question box at the bottom. Maybe this is a sign that baseball is not the direction his life should be going right now. It's just, I just, that's. So God would take away something a 16 year old boy loves to teach him this lesson. And that's hard for me. 
because the Bible says he's a good father, better than good father on earth. And, and why, would, why would I do that? God does not jump when we say jump. I agree. That is clear. <laughs> that is clear. My coworkers harassed me for being Mexican. One teacher punched my 15-year-old daughter in the face. Wow. I'm a biology teacher. Well, thank you guys for letting me share that. I won't sit here and grovel all day in front of you, but it's also a reason to look at all the other things we love. Yeah. Thank you guys for all those inputs and, and um, yeah, sort of at a place where I've been doing this for so long that it's like, all right, I know all those answers. And um, so I taught for a long time that God could heal. So I'd sure like for him to, to show me. So, yeah. Sometimes Romans 8.28 is a little bit harder to grab onto than others, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. I guess I wonder if God wouldn't have a better way to show a lesson than to cause pain. I really have a hard time with that theology. So anyway, uh, I think the Bible does give us a hint sort of how we walk through things. And certainly my friend Kristen is here and she knows pain like, like I can't even imagine. And okay, Kristen, you're already a moderator. So good to see you. It is not a lesson. Okay, thank you. I, I really, I agree. I don't, I don't think that is. But it, it definitely rattles belief to say, well, then if God can heal it, why doesn't he? Where are you, Lord God of Elijah, right? So, yeah. So we see Psalm. Jeremy, if you're still on, I see your text. Um, I didn't have time to deal with any of that yesterday because I had a big sort of session day, but I'll get to it. Psalm 13, David wrote, hi, Southern Draw Jack asked my friend Andy. Good to see you. Can somebody type in for Kristen and the gang kind of what we're talking about? So Psalm 13, David writes to the choir master, a Psalm of David. How long will you forget me forever? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O oh Lord, my light. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Um, 
lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully for me. So this is what many of you are saying, you know. I think I think Psalm 13 is a great example of um, we we feel our pain and we go deep into that pain and say this really hurts and this sucks, God. And and then we come around to, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing that, guys. Um, and it's and it's it's not just an injury; it's the kid has had to battle back again and again and again and again. And then COVID sort of took out the whole sophomore year, and that was really painful for my son. And and so now we have another injury, and so it's kind of like what the. <laughs> so I'm just in a WTF God moment today. And so I was telling people earlier, if you're just joining us, and thanks for all of you that are here, and let me know where you're joining from on YouTube, you guys too. Vernie is over there watching. Um, what do we do when it's like, where are you, God? So, yeah, I was telling the story of being in, in pastoring for a long time. And I was, I started a church in 2008, Hyde, Nebraska, where I did Nebraska. I went to high school in North Platte. Um, Hi, Brooklyn. Started a church in 2008 and pastored it till 20 through 2018. And I often joke, I have the scars to prove it. Hi, Jacksonville. Literally, I have the scars to prove it, which is a whole nother story. I'll tell you that another day. But I have a saying that there is no cruel like Christian cruel. Nobody can be cruel like Christians can be cruel. And so I think there's been a little bit this week for a number of reasons and not just my son. Hi, Alma, Nebraska. Yeah, I know where it is prayer request for the less fortunate in Texas. Yeah, there's always that we can we can be in a more difficult place, huh? But Yeah, I think there's been some bit of counting cost for me this week. And so I think all of this has sort of landed pretty heavily of and so I wanted to be authentic to it instead of coming on and being like, yay, Matthew 5, let me tell you these great stories. Um, but just come on and be honest that it was a little bit of a heavy day and a little bit of me saying, okay, God, I, I, how do I say this? Well, I paid the price. And I'm asking you to, to come and help. All right, guys. I appreciate you letting me process that with you. And 
So if you want to ask some questions today, there's this new little feature. It's it's not completely new, but it's fairly new. At the bottom of the screen, there's a box with a question mark in it. And so you can ask your questions right in there. Um, I've always been confused about the purpose of Job as it relates to our own life. So one of the things that I hate about Job, <laughs> and, and somebody's going to say, oh, you're a pastor and you hate something in the Bible. And my answer is yes. Because if we don't read it as poetry, which it is, I believe it's a poetic tome. Some say maybe the oldest book written in the Bible. Give your son a hug, please, of course. Um, If we believe that every day, hi, Southern Maine on YouTube, I see you there, Diane. Thank you for joining. If we see that daily the, the devil gets to go before God and choose which one of us to strike down on a given day, that is a horrible belief process. And I don't think the Bible really backs that up. And so people will say, well, you know, God's just testing you. But the one thing I like about Job is, um, oh, if you don't have that question mark at the bottom, it may be that you need to update your app. Because it, it, it didn't appear on mine until I updated the app. So that could be that that question mark isn't there. You could type in a comment and ask somebody to put it in the question box for you. If you go to the end of Job, Job has his friends, one named Elihu and these other guys who are pontificate to him about God is, God is this, God is this, God is this. And then in the last chapter, um, God says to Job like, hey, Job, I want you to pray for your friends because I'm really ticked off at how they represented me. Let me see if I can find that passage. And it's maybe my favorite part of Job is Job had these wonderful friends saying, hey, maybe if you hadn't sinned, maybe if you hadn't done this, maybe if it wasn't that, maybe God is doing this to you. And let's see if I can find it. Oh, I hope I can. I, you know, and I love the conversation God has with Job of, of, you know, who are you, Job, to tell me my job, you know, which I think is, is interesting. Um, I love your comments, by the way, guys, keep them coming. Yeah, the one great thing in Job 42 is he said, you know, I had, I had ears that have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen coming through it all. Okay, so here it is. I love this. Job 42, 7. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, one of the friends around Job, telling him all these things. Hi, A. Blackwell. Good to see you. So just remember my moderator, guys, if somebody comes in and starts doing nonsense, just block them. Not block them, I mean mute them, mute them, because I just don't want the place to be unsafe here. So 
the Lord said to Eliphaz the Timonite, my anger burns against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now, when I hear this, I just am imagining God talking to the evangelical church today. <laughs> like, you've been really shitty representatives of me, and I want you to know that I'm not happy about it. Yeah. And so he tells him, take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphat the Timonite and Bildad the Shuite and Zophar the Namathite went and did what the Lord had told them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. <laughs> so basically God says to these guys around Job, like, Hey, your representation of who I am was completely off and I'm really unhappy about it. And here's your out. If Job prays for you, I'll accept Job's prayer for you. Otherwise I am flipping pissed off. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes I think our misrepresentation of God, and particularly as the evangelical church, does not make God very happy. All right, let me see what your questions are here. Okay, so there's a box at the bottom that has a question mark on it. If you want to answer some questions, we've got about 25 more minutes before I have to get ready for the program with my mom. By the way, thank you guys for letting me process today. I feel... I feel better. I'm sorry we didn't get to Matthew 5. And one of the reasons I didn't want to do Matthew 5 today when I was feeling this sort of struggle in me was it's, it's one of the best chapters in the Bible, one of the very best, one of my favorites today, because it totally indicts the evangelical church. Oh, by the way, I wanted to let you guys know I've been part of a group that's writing a letter. You may have seen a couple of my TikTok videos, and those will be coming more this week of a group of evangelical leaders who are writing a, an open letter to the evangelical church and saying, okay, we demanded our Muslim friends denounce 9-11. So now evangelical church, are you going to denounce January 6th? And you're either going to denounce it or you're complicit to it. You're either against it or for it. There's no other line. So that's coming. That's coming. Okay, again, put a question in the question box. So Kristen asked, did you see Max Licato apologize to, to LGBTQ? I, I saw it. I didn't get a chance to look in it too deeply. Kristen, what, what did he say? I don't know if you have room to type it all in. Maybe let me see if I can look it up because that's big and I do want to know about that. So thank you for passing that along because I think it's time. It's time for the church to apologize for our right-wing politics, which includes being anti-homosexual and our and this is one where i think how god talked to these guys in job he would talk to the evangelical church today and say you better ask these guys to pray for you because i'm i'm really angry with them against you so let me see max lucado let's see this is an Episcopal News Service.org. Max Lucado apologized for past comments on homosexuality. The church needs to accept that we have hurt. Kristen says, okay. Sometimes we forget Jesus said, if you offend one of my least ones, it would be better to have 
a millstone tied around your neck. That's right. That's what I keep saying to the church. Like if we're, we're so great. Thanks, Diane. She says, glad you're feeling better. Yeah. I think I got to process something through there a little bit. Um, we're so big on abortion and we think we're so right and have this righteous stance yet we're driving two generations away from the church in that stance. And I think God says, if you keep these little, little children from coming to me, it would be better for you to have a big rock tied around your neck and jump into the ocean. That's what Jesus said. So let's see what Max Lucado said here. Um, he apologized in a letter to Washington National Cathedral after his invitation to preach sparked outrage over his past statements about homosexuality and same sex. Oh, okay, so I'm glad he did the apology. I'm a little disappointed that it came after he lost a gig. Ugh. Evangelicals have him on a pedestal, so I was excited to see it. Okay, Kristen, I'll, I'll celebrate with you, but why does it have to come after losing a gig? You know, why couldn't it just come? Diane on YouTube says, my gay son is named Matthew. I'm sure that makes my right-winged relatives cringe. Yeah, we just, we just were taught that. So evangelicalism has this pick, cherry pick ability of the Old Testament. And again, there's a question box down there, guys, if you want to ask any questions at the bottom of the screen, that little box with the question mark in it. That'll, because sometimes your comments on TikTok, I'm talking about scroll through if YouTube guys, if you want to ask any questions, type them into the comment box. Um, also guys, do me a favor, follow me, share this live. We're, we're still trying to break through this TikTok shadow ban thing, which is just crazy. Um, my page just got totally doused. Something happened. It's been really wild. It's been really hard lately believing when I'm watching kids in ICE detention centers crying. Kristen says, listen, you take what you get sometimes. It's still his words. You're right. You're right. But I'm looking forward to the day when evangelical leaders will just stand up and do the right thing and not wait till it costs them before they do so. But maybe that's just human nature. Lucado, now this is interesting, said that he still believes in, quote, the traditional biblical understanding of marriage, unquote, but now regrets the words he used in a 2004 sermon and article. Critics have condemned his comparison of same-sex marriage to legalize poly polygamy, bestiality, and incest in his suggestion that homosexuality is something that can be changed by pastoral care. I now see that in that sermon, I was disrespectful, I was hurtful, I was wounded. Okay, so here's the problem, though. If you say, I still hold to the traditional view of marriage, um, okay, um, that, you who asked the question about the online ministry, can you put that in the question box so I can come back to it? If we're still saying, I have the traditional view of marriage, then again, we're still saying, but you're still an other, you know, an, an, other, not another, but an other. We're still saying you're not quite as good and we're missing. So when Jesus said marriage is between one man and one woman, you know, what the problem with us taking that to say that homosexuality is bad is he wasn't standing there making a theological tome. He wasn't, 
he wasn't saying this is what is God's right for all of history. He was, what he was doing was taking the scriptures of the men that were standing in front of him to prove a point that they were wrong about how they applied law to people. And if, if Jesus was saying you're either marriage is between one man and a woman, or you're going to hell, which is, that's the, that's the ultimate thing, right? We can tell gay people they're bad because we love them enough to keep them from going to hell if only believing in that manner of marriage or you go to hell, then it, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but it just disregards that, that David, King David didn't agree with that. King David had multiple wives and God never said, David, you're going to have to repent of that or you're going to go to hell. And the Bible tells us that David had a young virgin in bed with him on his deathbed to keep him warm. So the point is, God understands, even Jesus even said in that passage, then God hates divorce because it is, it is the, the disillusion of his promise. Marriage was to represent God's promise that he would never leave us or never forsake us. But he said, and so God hates divorce, but he understands who you are. So he made this allowance through Moses but even that, so what he's telling them then is even that was a breaking of God's covenant with humanity. The whole point of what Jesus was saying is like, if, if the way you live is based on your rules, I can come up with rules all day that'll tell you you're wrong. You're never going to be good enough by the rules. And so God just wants to have relationship with you without the rules is the whole of everything he was saying. And we take it and go, oh, what Jesus was saying is those rules are, don't, don't matter anymore. These are the new rules. And so like I was saying, Christians, we, we cherry pick the Old Testament and we use it when it fits our narrative. And then when it comes against our narrative and we say, oh, so you don't eat shrimp because it's sin to eat shrimp. They're like, oh, that's Old Testament. That's not for us. But the whole belief on homosexuality is like Sodom proves that God hates homosexuality. And then we can take these three other verses in the New Testament and create our theology and completely ignore that Jesus himself said God hates divorce. And we can make peace with heterosexual sin, but not homosexual sin. Yeah. So the point is, God wants us to walk in relationship with him and have God's law written on our hearts and our minds, not on a piece of paper or in a book so that we can beat people with that book. But he says, come be in relationship with me and we'll, we'll walk these things through together. So Diane, God loves Matthew. Are we in a time of separation of wheat from chaff? Do, do you have an online ministry away from TikTok? Yes, I do. Um, um, if you go to my website, go to pastor-paul.com, it'll take you to my podcast website. And we did some really exciting planning this week for what the future will look like to kind of conglomerate all my stuff together. Um, so yeah, go to pastor-paul.com and it'll take you. And then if you go to the events contact page, you can contact me directly or you can DM through TikTok or send me a message through YouTube. 
Um, you can see where we have our Sunday morning spiritual gatherings, our schedule for what we do on Saturday morning, excuse me, with me and my wife, um, and just all the things we do. You can sign up for our newsletter that'll keep you updated on what's going on. And so, yeah, pastor-paul.com. And we do a spiritual gathering where we share life and we take communion together um, on Sunday morning. And so we'd love to have you join. And yeah, if you need like somebody to talk with, um, I have people that love to do that. So are we in a time of separation of wheat from chaff? Well, I'm not, I, I guess I would need to know more of how you interpret separating wheat from chaff. Um, I do think we're in a time where God is requiring us to make a decision of which side we're on. Uh, the, the time of the white moderate is going away. Uh, and so we have to choose this day whom we will serve. Are we going to be on the side of a, of a loving, amazing God or on the side of a God that says you're not good enough to people on a regular basis? And so, yeah. If that's your belief of, of the separation of the wheat from the chaff, I do think God is allowing a whole lot of really ugly stuff to come to the surface in the church so that we can say, are we okay with this or are we not? Yeah, we are in the time of the Pharisees, says Kristen. I believe we're in a season where the church is very much like the church that angered Jesus so much back in the first century. So we choose. Is God a God of love and goodness, drawing all men to himself, pouring out spirit on all flesh, even those that don't believe in the God of the Christian Bible, but maybe God in another viewpoint, which is what I believe that verse is saying. Um, you know, when, when the creators of the church created the church through Acts, you know, it's like, can these non-Jewish people be Christian? They were having this argument, or do you have to be Jewish, become Jewish to be a Christian? Do you have to be circumcised to be a Christian? All these things, they finally determined like, no, we've seen the spirit of God poured out on these people. And that is an amazing thing. And then they did this thing. Well, like, okay, let's give them four rules. Like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. So even then, and I read that passage and a lot of people say, see, these are the rules that really matter to God because James said so in Acts. And I say, no, that was once again, humanity trying to create a religion where we're good enough to get to God instead of trusting that God can, can reconcile humanity to God. We don't have to put a bunch of rules out there to make sure people are good enough to get to God. And so that was just James being human again. Yeah, Acts 15, right? I don't know what you think, uh, A. Blackwell, but I mean, I, I again, I, I've had people teach on that passage and say, see that, you know, even then they reconfirmed these things. And there's, you know, a, a sexual command in there. I can't even remember what the four commands are. Don't eat meat that's been sacrificed to idols, you know, those kind of things. And I think it was just like, hey, let's, we still think people... Okay, we're not going to force them to be Jewish, but they still kind of need to look like us to be in relationship. And I, I think it was a very human moment. A very human moment that. So today, once again, we've created a new religion with a new set of rules 
for a new generation. And God is once again saying, guys, I hate it when you do this. I hate your religion. I think, I think religion makes God very angry. I think when you watch what Franklin Graham is doing these days in both the religious and political realm, I think it makes God really angry. Like Jesus turned over tables and took ropes and wound them up. And, you know, he turned over tables. He was taking, then he stopped, wound some ropes together and started hitting people with them. That's how angry it made him. That's how little he thinks of religion. So your rules, your theological purity, they don't impress God and they don't impress me. I was just going to go look for something. I can't remember what it was. Losing track of my losing trackness. So what else? What else is on your mind, God? The End of Religion by Bruxy Cavey is a great book. Yeah, I love Bruxy Cavey. Amen on Franklin Graham. I think he's, I think he's one of the really repugnant men in America today. Evangelicals backing a man with the traits of Lucifer. I'm assuming you're talking about Donald Trump there. All right, guys, any other questions? Or maybe we'll, we'll take a break here and come back with my wife and I. I think Matthew 7, 21 through 23 about Christian Pharisees rather than what people use the verse to mean. Let me see what that verse says and we'll chat about it. Job 42, read that by the way. By the way, no, Satan does not go before God every day asking if he can kill you. That is not a truth. That is a poem. That's not a thing. Satan does not have the right to go to God and ask to kill you every day. And God is like, hmm, let's see. Am I going to allow the devil to kill any of you today? Um, I may not have seen your question. Did you put it in the question box? I think I've answered every question in the question box. Did you see my question? What in need to hear? I don't think I did see your question. You're gonna to have to type it in the question box again. What, what in need? Hi, April Joy. April A. Joy, my good friend. You gotta go see her page. She just popped up in the comments there. Amazing TikTok creator. And, and she and I and Pastor Jeremy from Oklahoma um, are doing a, a a page together called Evangelicalish, and a live stream. And I missed this week because of baseball. And April, I may not miss next week because my son has an injury now, but we're hoping that he will recover or be healed and it'll be okay. Um, Diane on YouTube says, thinking about evangelicals making God angry brings me great joy. Me too. But yeah, go April A. Joy. Um, go see her, her page on TikTok. What was I doing? Matthew 7. I'm all over the place today, guys. I'm sorry. What was that passage again you sent to me? Matthew 7, 21 through 23. I should have the whole Bible memorized by now. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you guys like April. 
Yeah, I think there's a whole lot of people that think they're doing God's work in America today that are going to be stunned to find out that God is not pleased. Not pleased. It is refreshing to hear I'm not the only one who questions today's evangelical teachings. Um, thanks, April, for that. Sorry to hear about your son's injury, praying for him. Um, curious, what do you mean by that? What do I mean by what? <laughs> I'm sorry, what a need. I don't, I see you. I see you. You say, did you see my question? You say, yes. And you say, curious, what do you mean by that? But I'm not sure what you're asking me, which, what that is. So I need, I need your help. So, yeah. Oh, Kristen says, it's funny. Evangelicals have used that verse against me. Yeah, but I think it is, you know, almost always when Jesus is talking about somebody not inheriting the kingdom of heaven, almost invariably, and I, I hate to say always because I'm sure there's some exception, but almost always I can say with great certainty, he is talking about religious people. They are not going to inherit the kingdom. And I believe that kingdom is here on earth. He's talking about not eternity. Eternity is a whole nother a whole different thing that I'm, I'm still walking through a little bit of a journey of what that looks like. And I'm not sure we're ever going to know until we get there exactly what it looks like. But um, the thing is, almost always the things that evangelicals use to point to sin of sinners is actually Jesus pointing at them. Okay, so Coco Ashley says, please, I'm in Texas and want to make sense of all this pain and death. Hmm. Hi, good deal. So how do we make sense of what's happening in Texas? So I, I think there is some, and it's what some of you were telling me when we were talking about my son earlier, that, that God allows life to happen. Hi, David Aguirre. Hola. And human leaders made bad choices in Texas. And so I don't think God sent an ice storm to prove those leaders bad. Life happens. And, and then, you know, the really sad thing about it is now those leaders are trying to make up big lies to justify themselves. These leaders in Texas who have been mocking California for years, Ted Cruz, So that's not to make fun of Texas. And what I love is when Texas had the trouble, what did the president do? He didn't say, oh, that's a state with a Republican governor and I'm a Democratic president. So they're going to have to really be nice to me. Remember like the last freaking president did? Oh, if you're a red state, hmm, you're going to have to be really nice to me for me to get FEMA to help you. What bullshit, huh? And that's the Christian president? And the demon president that we all hate is like, here are Texas leaders demonizing me and my party, but we're going to do what's right. Hey, let's get, let's get you the generators you need. Let's take care because you're Americans and I'm going to take care of you. I wish Christians that you would see that stuff that we had a president of the United States saying, you know, those, those governors are going to have to be nice to me for me to help the states in the middle of COVID. 
Boy, you think something that makes God angry. I shudder to think what that looks like when coming face to face with God. Okay, so what I need to hear. Did you see my question? What I need to hear, I'm sorry, I have not seen your question. Um, been celibate for 20 plus years, 45 years old. Hmm. Okay. Some, I, I'm sorry, they may not allow you to put a lot of characters in there. So sometimes I don't understand your questions in the text question box. I'm from Texas living in dark with no food sucks. Oh, I'm so sorry. That statement infuriated me. He was so egocentric. Yeah, president that would say you have to be nice to me and tell me thank you for me to help American people is just beyond the pale. That, that is not a person worthy of being of note and certainly not worthy of being in public office. Thank you, Pastor Paul, April, and Jeremy for starting Evangelical-ish. Much, much appreciated. Not about politics, just wondering why children are suffering. Yeah, because the world is a place where bad things happen. But I've been asking the same question today. God, where are you? And so we read Psalm 13 today and kind of went through the pain. And actually, you guys saw me processing my pain in front of you here. So I think we do. I think the best advice I have to give today as I'm walking through what I'm walking through is we grieve what's happening and we believe that God is grieving with us and we do what we can to help. Sorry, I don't know if you guys can hear my dog snoring. Well, now he's not because I looked at him and now he's like, oh, maybe I'm going to get some food. Um, yeah, so I'm going to have to go, guys, and get ready for my 10.30 with my wife, 10.30 Pacific. It's also a place where good things happen. We make a choice as to what we hold on to. Kristen, you're so right, and, and you've suffered real loss, so that's an amazing statement for you to make. Okay, guys, I'm going to let you go. Um, sorry I wasn't at the top of my game today, but I think we did some wonderful processing together.